Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, hello everyone. We are live for another recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I'm Kevin Daisy, your host, also the founder of Array Digital. We help law firms with their digital marketing. We help them grow their case pipelines. And today I have a really cool guest, a little bit different guest, special guest on here today. I have James Lewis, and he is with the New York City Bar Association. So again, a little bit different guest, but James, thank you so much for joining me. I'm interested to hear more about your story. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here and talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with the bar, a little bit about what I've done to get here and some opportunities for uh, firms to continue their growth and how we can support that endeavor. So thanks again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, so yeah, first question is, you know, tell us the uh, James A. Lewis the fifth. I want to hear all the way back. No, it's good. Um, this... <laughs> be a long podcast there, Kevin. <laughs> a long podcast. So, yeah, well, tell us your story. How, how did you became you know, how you became an attorney? Why you became an attorney? And uh, kind of what that journey was like to getting where you are today with the bar. Sure, absolutely. So, as in high school, I very much enjoyed psychology and journalism. Right. So those are the two kind of optional classes I took in high school. And psychology, I thought, would get me to knowing people, and journalism would give me an opportunity to write. So now. Actually, when I went over to Rutgers for undergrad, same thing. I was a journalism major and a psychology major and excelled in both. But along the way, I attended a program at Seton Hall uh, where I met Michael Shipp, who was an attorney at that time, but then went on to become a federal judge, just an all around inspirational guy. So kind of seeing him and the way he navigated the practice, I, I thought to myself, I'd really like to be as much like him as I can. And so I started to emulate him. I started to do a lot of the things he was doing, got involved in some of the organizations I saw he was involved with, um, and then excel accelerated my my undergraduate process. I finished college in three years, went on to law school at Hofstra Law in Long Island, ultimately became a diversity fellow for the New York City Bar. And that's kind of how I started off. Fortunate, I started off right in corporate, which not a lot of many folks get to do. Uh, so I was over at Prudential Insurance. I then was over at the U.S. Attorney's Office in New Jersey. So got two very, I think, great experiences that a lot of folks don't get to have early on in their careers in terms of federal practice and being in corporate. Went on to the firm life. I was in the private sector for about 10 years, litigating mostly in the employment sector with some banking and finance experience as well. Somewhat unique in that I was on both ends of the spectrum. I represented and defended managers and corporations, but I also prosecuted claims on behalf of individual plaintiffs. So I think it gave me a robust perspective in terms of kind of what the different issues were. You know, my practice the last 10 years, we've seen the Me Too movement, we've seen the Black Lives Matter movement, all of which impacted the employment space and I think had a natural kind of uh, relationship with the and diversity, equity, and inclusion. So ultimately that landed me where I am now, where I now get to support different firms and their DEI efforts, different corporations and their DEI efforts, as well as all the attorneys in New York, kind of a resource in terms of best practices, showing, educating folks, having programs. And so it's been great. I've only been in this role for about six months that folks are open to it, thinking innovatively about what we can do to kind of move the needle on diversity issues. Uh, so all in all, a great experience. Excellent. Well, yeah, thanks for uh, coming on and share that. And that, you know, the role that you have is a unique one. And uh, so what is your actual title there at the, the bar for, for everyone listening? In? Sure. So I'm the executive director of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. So I support all the diversity committees within the New York City Bar, as well as a lot of the external communications, as I mentioned, with corporations and larger law firms. We're looking to build relationships with the smaller firms as well, because we 
you understand that the diversity issue is not an issue only within large firms. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about clientele. We're talking about within, frankly, the judiciary. Diversity, I think, is a hot button issue right now. And so we like to support wherever we can. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good, a good way to, to look at it. And what I've seen is I've had a lot of smaller firms on here, a lot of larger firms too. Some, obviously, they embrace it from the start, it seems, which is great. Some of the larger firms that I've had on here that are turning the tides and being a little bit more progressive and doing a lot on their part to try to to head you know head it off and but I think that's great you know for what you're doing and how long has that role actually been in place there at the bar so it's actually been around for quite a bit. Really? I'm, I think, the fourth or fifth executive director of the office. But I think with each director, there's some, sort of a different dimension. And obviously, the times we're in are a little bit different than even five years ago, I'd say. Yeah. So I think the focus may be different or it supplements as time goes on. I think that right now, there's a focused effort on education and programming. Um, I think that there's also a focused effort on kind of getting the data, getting our arms around where do things stand present date? How does that compare to 10 or 15 years ago? And how can we continue to move in a positive direction? Because unfortunately, there's been a bit of an ebb and flow. And uh, I suspect that in light of the pandemic, there's going to be a disproportionate impact on women and folks who have historically been disenfranchised within the practice. So naming that and kind of being intentional about making sure that everyone gets an equitable chance within their firms to excel and grow and develop, I think, is really the core initiative of the of the organization at the moment. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, as of anyone tuning in and listening now later, you can check out. So it's just the NYCbar.org, whether or not you're affiliated with that uh, organization or not association, but um, so check that out. And so James, uh, give me some of some of the ideas of maybe some of the, the actual programs, you know, if, if, I, if it was a firm in New York, part of the bar, you know, what type of assistance and, and programs would I expect to be offered by you and your team? Absolutely. So one space that we're, I think, very much entrenched in is developing the pipeline at the moment. So we have what's called the Thurgood Marshall Internship Program. And so we connect high school uh, level students with larger firms. Uh, uh, and again, that's so early on. The thought is that if we can introduce these folks to folks who are in the practice so they can understand of what get an understanding of what the day to day is, that'd be useful for them no matter what they like to do. Although I do like to give a soft plug and say, you know, think <laughs> critically about becoming an attorney to the extent this interests you. So really, yeah. that's one of our programs. Like I mentioned, I myself was a diversity fellow, which is really some of the strongest, I think, students in the law schools throughout the New York region. I go through this program and get placed in different corporations and larger law firms as well. And that was my introduction to what the large law firm practice corporate arena look like. And some of those relationships, frankly, have served me throughout my career. And for me, obviously, there's a bit of serendipity that I'm right back at the New York City bar uh, now in the role of executive director. So I think that it, it gives you kind of the substantive skill set in learning certain areas of the law much earlier than you would ordinarily, uh, but also the soft skills in terms of nav navigating what may be an unfamiliar culture, an unfamiliar climate, and finding that you can be yourself in that arena, I think is useful, uh, particularly early on when folks haven't really become firmly wedded necessarily to one particular career path or another. Sure. Yeah. And I think, and we've had 150 or more managing partners uh, on this podcast and I've got to talk with, with most of them and my partner is also a host. So, uh, but I've had a lot, when I asked the question, Hey, how, how or why did you become an attorney? What was the turning point? What was the moment? And quite a few were in their teens or younger uh, when they decided that, hey, I wanted to be an attorney. I don't know what, you know, some, some of it was like, hey, we, I saw a TV show and I wanted to be that person or uh, whatever it may be. Or some, hey, my grandma asked, my grandma said, I'm going to be an attorney or a doctor. You had to choose one. So right. so I think, you know, for high school students, especially those in like, uh, you know, the debate or like beta and stuff like that, I think it's great to, to start them that early and, and have their programs out there like that. That makes a lot of sense for 
me, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I don't think until after high school. So yeah, there's <laughs> probably two defining experiences. I think for me, when I was younger, my sister and I, the police had an interaction with my uncle in front of us. And when the police officer went to secure his baton, actually ended up hitting my sister square in the forehead. And she's oh, four wow. years younger than me. I was about eight at the time, which means she was about four. So I knew at that point I wanted to be kind of involved in being a change agent, making sure like things like this don't happen in the future. Um, and again, the pre-legal program I did in college, after I completed that program, I saw the law everywhere, right? It was like when I went to go iron, you're reading the warning and you know that a lawyer <laughs> drafted that warning and said, hey, like, don't put this on yourself. Like someone has to actually write that on the iron. And when I was crossing the street and I'm thinking about the distance, I think there's lawyers involved in every aspect of everything that we're doing in life. And I got to the point where I couldn't unsee it. Uh, and I just became very much interested in it. So wow. um, with those two pieces kind of in line, I knew that ultimately becoming an attorney was something that would be doing for me. I remember, um, not related necessarily, maybe to the iron one, but um, when it was, I think I was probably young, but there was an incident where someone at McDonald's spilled a coffee on themselves. And like, that was a, I remember that in the news when I was a, you know, probably teen, I'm not sure how old it was, but teenagers maybe. And that was like a big lawsuit. And then you had to put, you know, contents in this cup or hot or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Same thing. I think they made a Seinfeld episode about it. That's how like robust it was in the culture. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was probably back in the nineties, uh, I assume. But, um, but I remember that and I was, you know, just in school. And I was just like, I guess, floored by the fact that, you know, someone could sue for millions of dollars for spilling a coffee on themselves. Like they didn't know it was hot. So Right. And then I just got to thinking about how many lawyers have to be involved. Right. So there's probably initial cut of the warning. Someone had to weigh in on it and there's probably more litigation behind it. There's counseling behind it. And so with those thoughts running in my mind, I was like, Oh, this is something that's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, okay. Well, as far as, uh, you know, what's your, your day to day and what, if you're talking, you know, if we have other, again, firms that are tuning in, especially in New York, small, smaller firms, kind of the message you'd like to get across to them. And if you had a chance to say, Hey, sure. you need to check out our programs. You need to come talk to me. Like, yeah, so taking advantage of the environment we're in, right. I think uh, <laughs> exactly. you know, a lot of your audience is, is managing partners or folks who potentially want to be managing partners. And I think that the bar association is a, of great value for business development, right? I think that you will meet attorneys in other arenas. Uh, invariably, they may need to refer work or they may need assistance on a component of the work that they do have, or maybe they're in-house and they're looking for uh, to supplement the folks that they have already working for them. Uh, so I think that in terms of relationship building, it's just invaluable, right? And I think there's a lot to be said for not knowing what you don't know, right? And so I think that when you're in these environments and you're having these conversations, it exposes you to different levels of thought, kind of exposes you to other folks who are other practices or other firms. Um, so there's a lot of just learning. And I think that, you know, we call it the practice of law for a reason. We're always embedded in practice and trying to get better. And what better way to do it than with your peers? So I think that it allows for a focused attention, but also with enough kind of organic component to it that you can gravitate to folks and folks who gravitate to you in terms of learning. And then also in terms of just like succession planning, right? Who do we want to be our next crop of new attorneys within the firm? That's a natural place to meet folks and kind of get them to know them outside of a place that's exclusively about law. How is this person as a person? How is this some, as someone I'd like to work with? This is someone that's volunteering their time, which usually is a good uh, thing. It bodes well because that means that they're that entrenched in this, that much more appreciative of the profession and seeing it continue to grow. Um, so I just think it's all around a place of excellence and a 
place where you can grow and kind of think about things in a different fashion than you would perhaps if you were siloed. So there's something to be said for just being part of the New York community and learning about what's important to folks around you. That's excellent. Yeah, I think I've heard nothing but good things from you know all the bar associations that I've had other uh, partners on, managed partners on here that are part of the bar. They're on the board. They, they're involved. Um, I've heard nothing but good things. And a lot of them attribute that to the referral business that they do get by meeting other attorneys and, and being involved. So that seems to be very important, especially for a small firm, a new firm starting out. It's something you probably just, you need to you need to take advantage of that and, and yeah. get involved right away, as far as I can tell. Another question, just with COVID still happening and hanging around, events, in-person things, the internships that you spoke of, what's that look like right now in New York? And is, you know, are things kind of coming back to normal or are you kind of still? I think where we are is sort of we're in the hybrid space. I think there were some components of the virtual space that will, st- will stick around. You get better attendance. Folks don't necessarily have to, to fight with traffic or beeline out of their offices or in order to make it on time. So I think some people are enjoying that. Look, there's nothing like face-to-face interaction. So I think yeah. uh, some of the things you're talking about, relationships are so important to this profession. And so we definitely have had some in-person events. Some of the committees are meeting in person, you know, subject to folks' comfort level. But we're looking to get more and more towards normalcy uh, and hopefully get the worst of this behind us. Yeah, I understand. And what about internships? Is I guess that could be virtual or in person. Correct, uh, and, correct. and it's been, I've, I've had a lot of New York firms actually on here, but some are 100% virtual now or started that way. And then some were like, we never left the office. We're still in the office. And so I've seen a lot of, um, and then there's a, you know, the hybrid model, which I seems, you know, seems to be more frequent. But so I've seen it all across the board as far as, no, we have to be in the office to work completely virtual, paperless. We can, you know, we can do cases in the whole state now. There's so much more efficiencies. So the, I, just, I hear a lot of different things, which is which is cool. Um, and then you got your trial attorneys who are like, I need to be in the courtroom and face, you know, face to face or I can't get my job done. So it's it's been pretty unique to kind of see Absolutely. the different perspectives, you know, and uh, just seeing how things are going. So, but as far as the internships, you those uh, can they be virtual or in person? They were hybrid. So some of the employers, folks were back and they said, look, if students feel comfortable coming in, they can come on in. And some of them did. They wanted to get that experience. Uh, so they went into the building, kind of got to learn the lay of the land that way as well. And some students didn't. They did their, their work virtually and got on got on calls, got on a video camera, got to speak. Uh, we had some of our panel discussions in a fully virtual f- format, which I thought was useful because you got to kind of reach out beyond uh, the limitations of the state and the locale you were in and get experts from all around the country, which I thought was great. Um, so I think, again, there's value on both ends. So most of the folks I'm working with are doing some form of a hybrid model. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Do you know how many uh, firms are actually members of the so New We York? have 160 signatory firms, which means those are the firms that are signed on to called our diversity and inclusion principles. Okay. And these are essentially major law firms in New York, but we're always looking to expand that. And we like the buy-in and we think that it is meaningful for the community to have more firms bought in and attorneys, frankly, to uh, kind of the subset of what we believe in and what we're looking to encourage in terms of the diversity space. Because again, I think there's a lot of discussion about sort of the business case for diversity, uh, mm-hmm. but without necessarily using that language, I think we know that innovation comes from having different folks at the table and kind of right. making sure that we're we're able to think beyond our own initial thoughts and we don't have people as totally homogenous that just agree with what we're saying. And I think there's something to be said for that back and forth and that pushback and that difference in perspective in terms of arriving at your best when you're in the court 
courtroom and representing your client through every particular lens when you're putting an argument uh, forward before the court and being frankly aware of what the counter arguments may be <laughs> because you've discussed it internally already. So I think those are all the things that we try to entrench in the firms that are aligned themselves with us and support the work of the office do the same. I love it. I love it. That's excellent, man. Well, James, I don't want to take up too much of your time and I really appreciate you sharing what you, you know, have what, what you're doing, what you're up to and, and really kind of seeing, you know, really what uh, so just all the benefits, I think, of uh, the Bar Association there. And um, do you know if other bars around the country have a similar type of program in place or as New York kind of just well, I think, a, I think we're, we're a bit unique in the sense that our, our office is essentially a little bit apart and we support the committee. So you have actual staff, including myself, who are supporting these diversity initiatives nice. in addition to all the folks who are volunteering and joining the committees and then non-committee members who volunteer their time, whether it's to mentor high school students or college students. So uh, I think we really do have our arms around a lot of the dimensions of kind of ex being excellent as it relates to advancing diversity and inclusion. And frankly, you know, we have a lot of history here and New York is different than some other climates by virtue of its size, by virtue of its own diversity. And so we're able to leverage all of that and I think develop a truly unique program. That's excellent. Well, hopefully other ones can can tune in and, and uh, take some lessons from that and uh, get get on get on board. So, um, well, James, thanks so much for uh, sharing all this with me today. Thanks for being, you know, a unique guest on the show and uh, I want to have someone else from the, you know, from the bar and I want to have, uh, honestly, I want to, I want to start a, another series here where we have up and coming, you know, attorneys, law students, maybe talk with some of the colleges, talk with, or even like someone in your program that's trying to intern uh, that maybe could be a guest to say, hey, what are they seeing uh, in this environment? What's maybe different or what they're seeing versus what, you know, a managing partner's been an attorney for 30 years might, you know, have seen when they came through. So uh, I just want to kind of mix it up as well and, and get some different perspectives. So absolutely. I think that's important, um, right? I had an intern over the summer and he was teaching me things on like LinkedIn and social media <laughs> that were totally foreign to me. So I definitely think that I uh, was each generation comes another layer of perspective uh, that's yeah. certainly useful and informative. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of LinkedIn, please reach out and connect with James. Uh, his LinkedIn profile is just below. It's just uh, James Lewis V. So for the fifth, so James Lewis V on LinkedIn, just check him out. We're connected and we'll be probably chatting back and forth quite often, but uh, go connect with, with James. And especially if you're in New York, you're an attorney, uh, want to learn more. I'm sure he's happy to Absolutely. share more information with you and, and get you involved. I'm sure he's looking for more people to get involved. So uh, please reach out to James and, and connect with him. James, before I wrap up and say goodbye, is there anything else you wanted to share that anything coming up, anything, any news, anything you'd like people to know about? I think you've covered it. I mean, it certainly if folks are interested in the bar, please reach out. Love to information share. If there's folks throughout the country who are involved with other bar associations, there's opportunities to have some synergy there. I think we can take advantage of this virtual format that we're in. Always looking to grow our membership, always looking to continue the pipeline. So again, hope folks will think of me as a resource and thank you again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. And all right, everyone, this will be up soon on our podcast version. Also be up on YouTube, our website. Uh, you can go to check out uh, arraylaw.com for slash podcast. Uh, it'll be probably a few days next week sometime when we get that up on the website. Um, and then we'll also have some edited copies of this. Uh, and James will be sharing that with you too up on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn and other places like that. So we'll be tagging you and, and the bar, I guess. And so we'll get that out soon. Uh, if anyone else listening and tuning in needs help with their marketing for their firm, websites for their firm, a more diverse website for your firm, uh, we can help you out. That's what we do. Uh, we help firms have a nice online presence, reputation, and grow their pipeline through digital marketing. 
So if you need any kind of help like that, go to raylaw.com, reach out to me, go on LinkedIn, ask me any questions, happy to help. So James, stick on with me for a second. Everyone else, we'll say goodbye. So James. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.